What's up? This is Dominique Bomonte, and you are listening to Season with Salt, the podcast. First, I want to begin this podcast episode by playing the clip that is said to be uh, from the pastor, Darren Anthony Farmer Sr. He is the pastor of the Upper Room Apostolic Cathedral, and this is a clip from a recent sermon for which he preached. Let's listen me in the spirit. Uh, we got a lot of preachers, ministers, bishops, pastors, elders, apostles that are single and not ready to mingle. You're not fooling nobody but your own self. God said it's not good for man to be alone. You're either gay or choking the chicken. God said it's not good that man should be alone. He said, he that pinded the wife, pinded the good thing, and obtained a favor from God. I think it's important for me to note that I do not own the rights to the click that I just played. And this is for entertainment purposes only. I have no intentions of disrespecting and or indicting the preacher in any way. That's not my responsibility. I do not know who this message was intended for. I do not believe that it is my responsibility to review the entirety of the message to understand this short clip, because I think it's the responsibility of the minstrel to ensure that he or she is teaching teaching within proper context. So I didn't listen to the whole message. Um, I can affirm and should affirm what the word of the Lord says. And that is that when God created heaven and earth, according to Genesis 2 and 18, he indeed did determined that it was not good for man to be alone. And as a result, God, he himself created a woman for Adam. And so we can affirm that. We can also affirm uh, Proverbs, the 18th chapter and the 22nd verse, which provides for us a principle. And that is that a man in pursuit of a wife, after he's found her, He indeed has found a good thing, and that good thing brings favor from the Lord. So that is encouragement uh, to men uh, who are pursuing a wife. I think that it's important, especially for those with spiritual influence to encourage men, young men, to engage in the practice of dating for the sake of marrying. 
I believe that it's important for churches to teach and preach positive and appropriate practices to identify spouses. I think that where the line blurs is when we project that every person is meant to be married, number one. And then number two, the projection that a man or a woman that is not married is participating in some form of sin. I also think it's dangerous to assign sin to certain practices from the seat of our bias. So because I'm married, then I get to assign negative intention to certain practices that I don't participate in. It is also extremely dangerous to make an assumption that only single male preachers can be homosexuals. <laughs> it's also very dangerous to assume and essentially untruthful to assume that only male single preachers are participating in masturbation. And so I just want to talk about that. And this dialogue is not in defense of personal behavior. I'm just simply rebutting what I heard from the particular clip for which I played. When you start talking about, well, first let me, let me start at the end and then work my way back. I think it's a very dangerous thing to discuss uh, sexual satisfaction over the pulpit. And the reason why it's dangerous because you really need to <laughs> be learned. First of all, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. I think one of the challenges that we have in today's world is that everything is televised and recorded. And so if you look at the work of the Apostle Paul, his intention when he wrote churches for which he planted was not to put them on blast for all the world to see and hear. He was, in essence, responding to challenges that he was made aware of within those Christian communities in letters. And so his work as a pastor or his pastoral influence was essentially used to correct behavior, but he did so in a way that was not meant to embarrass or group or negatively uh, sort of bring attention to certain groups. Now, we're not talking about sin. 
we've got to disengage ourselves from the idea that it is a sin to be single. First of all, we want to disengage ourselves from the conversation around the sin of singleness because in order to be married, you need to start single. Let's get, let's, 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 let, let's, let's bring some clarity to what makes one uh, qualified to be married. You have to start single. The other thing is, is in, in addition to the status of single, it's really important that we prepare people in their singleness to be married. From the vantage point of a person who is single, I often find it problematic when people who are married um, have a lot of critique for the single, but there is no room for the single to make a critique of the married. And I think that that's problematic. When I think of someone who I want to encourage me and to uplift me and to edify me in the conversation around marriage, ideally I want it to be somebody who is happily married. The challenge with having a discussion around sexual satisfaction in the marriage is statistically what leads to the use or the viewing of pornography or uh, masturbation within the context of marriage is the lack of sexual satisfaction. I'm going to post an article uh, in the show notes that discusses this from Psychology Today. So we cannot have a one-sided discussion that gives away the impression that only single men are participating in masturbation because that's absolutely not true statistically, right? In fact, uh, in the article that I read, for which, as I noted, I will include in the show notes, there were some startling revelations there. And I think it's important for me to point those revelations out. And I want to be clear, I don't think it's fair to attack married people because I feel like there are lots of things that go on in marriages that are really difficult for a single person to understand. But I think it's also important that we just teach about masturbation and we teach about our doctrinal and biblical views around homosexuality without assigning it to a group because of their marital status is not the same as ours. Let me read a little bit of this article from Psychology Today. Sexually discontinented men who had no sex recently reported high rates of masturbation, 79% compared to only 60% in men who had sex 
four or more times. But sexually discon sexual discontentment was less predictive of masturbation in women with much less relationship to sexual frequency. The article goes on to point out that 57% of women in the sample reported feeling sexually content compared to 42%, and this is among married men. Masturbatory frequency is often used as an indicator of libido or sexual desire. And so in these results, the level of dissatisfaction in masturbation frequently frequency rather, likely indicates couples with mismatched libido, where one partner wants sex more frequently than the other. I'm just talking about the science associated with masturbation. So it is not, let, let me read this other part that I think is important. Women who are sexually content but reported no sex in the last two weeks in this study disclosed masturbation rates at 21% compared to the women who were sexually content reporting sex four or more times, 33% of them whom reported masturbation. So, and the numbers for men, higher. Married men, higher. I... I I better not get lost in the statistical references of, of masturbation. But I said all that to say that if we're going to talk about the impact of masturbation and porn, uh, on relationships or potential relationships or marriage in general, whether the person be married or not, we just need to have a holistic conversation about that. And I just, I, I think that we have the tendency in religion to create sound bites around hot topics for the purpose of getting a response from people. But essentially what we do is alienate people who are struggling in certain areas. And that is so dangerous. So let, let's, let's now turn our attention to um, the idea, the, the, the practice of being uh, a single preacher because the, the context of the original video, uh, was that there are two truths that you can associate with a preacher who is not married. And that is that they are either masturbating or they are homosexual. I read quite a few of the comments where this video was posted, and I don't think that it takes a Bible scholar uh, to point out that the Apostle Paul was 
a preacher, a pastor who was not married. And if you spend time studying 1 Corinthians, the seventh chapter, that's where we pull a lot of our references about the Apostle Paul and his engagement with marriage in general. Now, there are some uh, things that we tend to do or think or say, like we know that the Apostle Paul says in Scripture that he had a thorn in his flesh and that he prayed and he asked God to remove the thorn from his flesh. And God said, no, I'm not going to remove the thorn from your flesh, even though you've asked three times, because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And somehow or another, um, individuals have connected uh, Paul's thorn in the flesh to Paul's um uh, inability or, or to the lack of a spouse in Paul's life. The interesting thing <laughs> about that is that nobody ever makes a connection between Paul's physical appearance as reported or studied in the Bible with his marriage. <laughs> it also is conceivable that Paul had a difficult time becoming married because nobody found him attractive. I, we know that Paul has some optical issues. We, we have enough information to note that Paul may not have been the most physically attractive person. Now, that's either here nor there because there are certainly unattractive people who are married because attraction is in the eye of the beholder, right? But as you, as, let's, let's think through, um, and I guess the question is, what does Paul affirm for the single preacher, like does Saul, does, does do I read First Corinthians the seventh chapter and say to myself, Paul wasn't married, so I don't need to be married? Is that the is that the is that what Paul preached? Because for some strange reason, our in our minds, like we use now, and it's interesting because Paul was a central. Um, figure in the development of the church. Much of what we know about the development of the church, how we celebrate the practices that we have, the ways that we teach community, especially within the context of church, is really birthed through the Pauline epistles. Oh, we love quoting the Apostle Paul. We talk about how great his words are. We talk about um, that the, we use the words of Paul to affirm and to protect us against certain behaviors. And so we just, we love the Apostle Paul. But for some reason, we don't love the fact that the Apostle Paul was not married. We, we really, really struggle with that. In fact, we dismiss his commentary around marriage when it comes to his own identity but we love to talk about his his interest in in telling women that they should submit themselves to uh, their husbands. We don't talk a lot about Paul's uh, um, marriage. I mean, we 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 don't really lift Paul's marital status, but we love to talk about how Paul said that a man should love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Like we love to talk about 
pause influence on the family structure, but we get really uncomfortable when it's time to talk about Paul's experience with marriage. How could he be a teacher? In fact, somebody was telling me the other day, which I thought it was very interesting, and it turned out to be a really powerful conversation because they said, you know, I don't think I could be pastored by somebody who was unmarried. And as we begin to talk about it, it, it what had unfolded in that conversation is that at their wedding they they quoted like first corinthians the 13th chapter like so much of what paul taught about marriage was influenced um what held an influence in 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 the way that they learn um to experience and to and to survive marriage and i thought to myself like well if paul could influence and teach and and lay primary principle for marriage, what does that say about God's intention uh, when it comes to being shepherded or pastored? So I got, got, now let me just, just, let me back up to say that um, I have um, had uh, one, two, three, and a half, four pastors. And I would say that the pastor that was most influential in my spiritual development, and not necessarily like theologically, but just someone who um, helped to disciple me back to the cross was somebody who was not married, or he was a widow. -er. And in my discipling, in my being discipled by him, I got to see firsthand a lot of the things that he experienced as a person that wasn't married, and I thought it was very interesting. I, 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 I need to, I need to focus on First Corinthians seven. Let me just start. Let me just read to you. Um, first of all, shout out to to the Apostle Paul for his deference and respect for marriage. Uh, 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 institution that he himself was not a part of. And I really take that, that that's really important to me because as a person um, who prays, I always pray for marriages because not just because I want to be married and I want if in the event that I get married, for which I hope I do, um, somebody else is praying for me. But I think that marriage is such an important institution to the church. I do believe that. I believe that marriage is essential to the body of Christ. Like we need marriage. We need strong family structures. Like we need people raising children together. Like we need marriage. I believe in the value of marriage. I believe that marriage is an important contribution to the church. But listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7 chapter. He starts by, in, in verse 3, um, talking about how men and women should not um, withhold sexual satisfaction to their spouse. He says in verse 5, defraud not one another. And he teaches about the importance of satisfying your partner. Then he says in verse 6, which I love, but I speak this by permission and not by commandment. And I think that's really important because what Paul is essentially saying in this verse is that I'm trying to give you a principle that will help you 
develop your relationship, your marriage, but it's not a commandment, right? Like it is this this is just a product of wisdom that I have gained in ministry. In fact, this is Paul um, allowing God to speak through him for the sake of protecting and developing and building marriages. But he does not stop there. In verse 7, he says, 1 Corinthians 7 and 7, For I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. Verse 8, I say, therefore, to the unmarried and the widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. So if you can stay uh, 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 holy and sanctified, you're talking about what Paul said. He's already admonished the married. Now he talks to those who have been married and widowed and those who have never been married. We don't actually know if Paul had ever been married. We really don't know that. Um, Well, maybe we do know that. Um, he says, um, but if you cannot contain, and, and this is this is him um, um, teaching um, the singles in, in, in biblical times. If you cannot attain, then marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. And unto the married I command ye yet not, I but the Lord, let not the wife depart from the husband. Now notice the difference when he starts to talk about uh, the, the institution of marriage, then he gains a confidence and says that this is not me talking. This is God talking. So if, if this critical uh, example, this uh, giant in, in the formation of the church um, is saying, I'm not married, but let me teach you about marriage. And then also that I, I, I want to use my influence to affirm singleness, singleness in association with holiness. He's not saying be wild and unattached. Then what can we glean from that? And so it's harmful. Now, I do recognize that the gentleman for which the clip, um, for which we get the clip, he talks about uh, uh, preachers in particular, we're, gonna, we're just kind of saying men, who have no intention of marrying. Now, I think, that that's, I, think, I think that that's different. But I also think that we have enough biblical knowledge to know that not everybody gets married. Not everybody gets married. And honestly, <laughs> to be honest, I mean, the longer you wait, the more important it is to be selective, right? You know, it, it, the church has to figure out a way to engage and embrace single people. And if there are areas of concern that deal, when I was, um, let me just say this, and I'll, I'll stop rambling because I didn't intend to, to go this long. But when I had moved to California, um, I was sort of like done with my Reformation. I was like, I just want to go sit in the back of some church and just be there. And I joined, um, kind of pseudo-joined a church in, 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 the, in the local neighborhood. It was a uh, uh, not-so-diverse church, but it was in my neighborhood. I was able to walk there. Um, and I just wanted to enjoy the spirit of the Lord and I had gone there, um, and in my pursuit of really figuring out 
what God was saying to me in that season, I joined the men's group at this particular church. And the men's group was reading a book that essentially was about, uh, I think the book is called A War Within. I still have the book. It's called A War Within. And it talked about the dangers of masturbation and pornography. And at the time, I was extremely uncomfortable because I was not accustomed to conversations around sexual activity being something that people spoke so freely about in church. And so, to be honest, it was a little bit of a turnoff because I could not understand how this could be such an open discussion amongst Christians. And then I realized that I didn't really want to go to a men's group and talk about masturbation. Like, something about that just made me uncomfortable. I just didn't want to do it. And I, I, for many years, I told the story about the discomfort of going to those men's group meetings. And there were single men and there were married men. And it occurred to me sometime after I had had that experience and kind of rejoined that with my reformation and become, you know, whatever I've become, um, that that season in my life was really important because there was a season of honesty and openness that I had to come into, um, I, I really had to to get in touch with a, a, a side of me that needed attention, that the church had not serviced, the church had not affirmed. And I think that I'm saying all that to say that I think that if the church wants to be relevant, I'm closing, really. If the church wants to be relevant, we've got to be careful about how we discuss the things that all of us experience, right? We are all, for the most part, sexual beings with attraction for the opposite sex, or some folks have attraction for the same sex, and in our attraction, if we are not taught in those particular areas by people who um, teach from a place of integrity, spirituality, and connection to God, then we learn elsewhere. And we need to be thinking about the dangers of coming into our sexual identity outside of the context and protection of our parents and those who cover us through the gospel, right? So why are we so afraid to talk about sexuality within the body of Christ? What is what, what makes us uncomfortable having, and I'm not talking about what this man did, I'm talking about a productive conversation where we are able to address, and I'm not talking about these, so, I know that there are small groups that are having these discussions similar to the one that I described, I know that, but why is it that whenever we talk about human sexuality within the context of spirituality, it's always something dark and, and, and ugly and unholy and unrighteous? Like, why do we do that, right? And then in our doing that, what are we communicating to a generation of young people? We're essentially saying to them that 
everything associated with your sexuality is off the table, not appropriate to discuss out loud, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that can be harmful because gone are the days when 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 children are waiting for their mother and their father to have a conversation with them about birds and bees. Listen, my um, nine and eleven year old nephews were playing me songs that were clearly about sexual activity, right? And they're intuitive and curious enough to ask questions and they have at their fingertips Google and all these different things that they can look up things and learn about them. And so even though their parents aren't necessarily practicing Christians, they still have a responsibility to be the first representation of sex positive discussion. (sighs) Y'all. I didn't know where it was going, and I don't know. Listen, if you are still listening, could you just let me know? Shoot me a, a, a note and say, I listened to the end. I listened to at least the part where you were talking about this, because I just want to know that somebody else is thinking about this. And I don't need really any affirmation around whether this is appropriate. or I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not concerned about that, because when I hit record on this podcast, my objective is to um, be representative of Christ first and foremost, but also to share truths that I think often go unspoken. And the truths that I believe we should pull from this discussion is that we need to rightly divide scripture. We need to be responsible and accountable if we are men and women of the cloth, if we are clergy, we need to reevaluate the things, the discussions around sex positivity and sexual activity that we have deemed to be dark and nasty and untouchable. We need to bring our influence, our spiritual influence into these discussions. And we need to be thinking about how we're impacting the lives of young people early. Okay. And the first time that you hear about the practice and the activities associated with uh, pornography and chicken choking should not be because somebody else's pastor in Maryland had a small clip about it. Okay, I'm done. Were you blessed by this episode? Do you think it would bless someone else? It would really bless me if you share this episode with someone who you know needs assurance of God's promises. Also, I love it if you subscribe to my podcast, Season with Salt, and wrote a review. This helps us to spread the gospel even farther through podcasting. Thank you so much for listening. And remember what God's word says in Colossians 4 and 6. Let your word be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Have a great week.